0: As I was studying for this tonight, Brittany and I really kind of just wanted to speak um, a little bit of life into you guys and uh, kind of take a big brother, big sister, pastor kind of mentality. Ew, boys, Cameron, gross, ew. Kind of kind of take like a big brother, pastor mentality um, with this, so... Got five points. This is from the perspective of a guy, um, two girls, kind of stuff that I wish Brittany would have known, that I wish other people I've dated would have known, that I've heard guys say that they want girls to know, and then we'll do some Q&A. The first one is this. We'll go to scripture later. These ones don't need scripture. They're just practical. Uh, Guys aren't that smart, the first one. Yeah, you knew that. Like, yeah, I don't even need to write that down. I, I remember. Um, <laughs> I remember when I finally asked Brittany, um, asked Brittany if if it would be okay for us to date. I, I was like nervous all day, and I've told that story obviously. And they, uh, I like finally asked, and she goes, "Why did it take you all day? I've been waiting for this." And I remember honestly thinking like I had no idea if she liked me, and she goes. I've been dropping hints for, like, months that I like you. And I was like, no, you really haven't. Like, I don't get, like, if you were, like, I didn't see him, you know? And I think, I think girls assume that guys are more intuitive than we are, and we really are not, all right? And so two things to think about with that. First one is that doesn't mean that you take over the guy's role and make it clear. That's not what that means. Um, The other thing it doesn't mean is that you give up. Because some guys definitely are going to take a little longer. And if you've convinced yourself and and if you've decided that this is definitely the guy that is worth the wait for, then wait. And either his friends or himself will come to the conclusion that I I need to do something. And there definitely is, there is a spot and a time when you kind of have the right to calm on the carpet and say, Hey, what are we doing here? Like, what's going on? But I, I wouldn't take that step until someone else says, Yeah, that makes sense. You should take that step, but, but don't take over the guy's role. Don't, don't start pursuing him and making it overly obvious. You deserve to be pursued. All right. You deserve to be pursued. And honestly, a guy worth his salt is going to pursue you for a while. And, and, and we'll talk about this later, but I'm not going to get it myself. The, the second point is this, second thought, is as, just as a, as a man, as someone who's married and paid taxes and has like a job that is salary and has bought multiple cars and stuff like that, which I think makes you a man, right, when you have an auto loan, stuff like that. I'm, I'm an adult now. Um, I, I would encourage you to stop dating boys. I would encourage you to stop dating boys. You know, i it's funny talking to girls who are saying, like, I, I'm really frustrated because he won't get a job. And to me it's like, well, that's kind of obvious because he's never had to have a job. You know, I, I'm frustrated that he's not working for me. He's not chasing after me. Well, he's never had to chase after anything in his life. I would encourage you before you date anyone, before you consider heading down that road, to watch from afar and observe their work ethic. I would encourage you to to look at two things in a guy. First, their work ethic. And second, when they get called on the carpet for something, criticism, do they take it and grow, or do they deflect it and stay the same person? To me, those are two huge indicators that there's a chance that you might be interested in a boy instead of a man. A man is going to step up. He's going to take responsibility. And please, like I'm not saying a job is the cure-all, but I, if, they're not, if they don't have a job, then they should be in school, right? They should be doing something with their life. They should be thriving with something in their life. If they have a job, hopefully they're getting promoted. Hopefully they're moving forward. Hopefully they're starting to make more money. Not that money is the end-all. But the fact that they're growing and making improvements and moving forward, that is an indicator that it's probably a man and not a boy. All right? You cannot date a boy and expect a man out of him. And and side note, you are not enough to make him a man. That that will not be what transitions him. And you may think, Brittany and I have this saying, you shouldn't take on a fixer-upper. Girls should not take on a fixer-upper. All right? You may like want to paint the walls and like add cute decor items and stuff. And you may be able to change how he dresses for a little bit and get him to write you nice notes and say nice things. But at the end of the day, you're not going to transform who he is at his core. And I would encourage you to start with a man and not a boy. And so that leads to the next one. Number three is have standards, have standards and keep them have standards and keep them. I, I'm not saying that he has to have a six-pack and make $100,000, right? Like, if that's that's your standard, then hold on to that. Like, that's cool, but it's probably not going to serve you well. But what I am saying is I I want someone who values family. That's a standard. I want someone who values purity. I want someone with a work ethic. I want someone who has great friends. I I want someone who's dedicated to a local church. I want someone who has a relationship with God. Those are standards worth keeping, And they're not worth compromising on. Uh, And, you know, we kind of view ourselves as this diminishing item, right? The older I get, the more standards I should drop. And the more that anyone will do. And I I can tell you just from talking to Brittany, I mean, Brittany and I were both 25 when we got married. And we were reaching a point where it was like, wow, like, there's a lot of fish in the sea. And I think I've swam past most of them. You know what I mean? Like, you kind of start feeling like that. But... Believe me, it is worth the wait and the standards that you hold and the things that are really important to you. You do not need to give them up. You really don't. There is someone out there, and we have to remember that. Like We have to remember that at the end of the day, we're trying to find one person out of, what, the six billion people that live on this planet, right? You are going to run it past a lot of people that don't meet the standards you want before you find the one who makes it worth it, right? And well we're talking about this for a half second, I don't believe in the one. You know what I mean? Like, what if they're in Timbuktu and don't have internet? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's just the one. I do think there's ones of ones, if that makes sense. But I'm willing to bet that the person you end up marrying, if you hold your standards, they will meet all of them. And I would encourage you to keep them high. And you don't need to compromise them. And, and ask yourself the question, is, are these standards worth having? And if you come to the conclusion and talk to a couple people and realize, okay, maybe they should not be a previous Amicrombie and Fitch model. Like that's, that's a standard that I can let slide a little bit, right? But stuff that's important to you, hang on to it and let that paint the picture of what you do moving forward. Number four, don't wait to start your life. Don't wait to start your life. You know, when you see, we see in Ephesians 2, verse 10 i love the scripture for we are god's workmanship created in christ jesus for good works that he prepared for us long ago and then jeremiah 29 11, i know the plans i have for you says the lord to give you a future and a hope those aren't gender specific those aren't just going to men saying hey men i have a plan and a purpose for you and you're going to find a wife whose job is to make you have that and that's not what that scripture says well, that scripture says is I have a plan for you. You are God's workmanship, and, and it's to both men and women. And to me, as, as a man, there was nothing less attractive to me than someone who was just sitting around waiting for a man to start their journey of life. Now, that really is unattractive to me, and it's unattractive to the guys I know that are still single, the people that I do life with that are still single. They are not attracted to the ones that are like, oh, I'm, I'm just waiting until I find a man and then I'm going to have purpose. Uh, one of the things that attracted me to Brittany the most was the fact that she had built a phenomenal life. Like Brittany was fine without me. She didn't need me to come in and give her purpose and meaning. And, and I mean, I've complimented her and we've gone further together than we would on our own. But she did not need me to come in and turn the ignition of her life. She had already done that. And I would encourage you to ask the question, what, what is on my heart that I'm not doing because I've convinced myself I need to wait until I, can, until I start dating? And I, I really have this firm conviction that when you find God's, when, when you find one of the ones, when you find someone that works, that compliments you well, I really have this conviction that it will help you accelerate life. Their job is not to complete you. Their job is not to give you purpose. Their job is to encourage you and help you build the life that you were already dreaming of building. And and please, that is totally okay for you to have that desire in you. And I would encourage you to chase after it. Next one. It's okay to be strong. It's okay to be strong. It's okay to be a strong, independent black woman who doesn't need no man. Like, that's totally great. And, and, And honestly you know with guys that i do life with that we've all married guys like or girls not guys like that whoa pause back up a little tired we've all married we've all married girls like that like I, <laughs> brittany brittany is strong and sassy man and i like i got to work hard to keep up with her like she is way smarter than me and i somehow have her convinced that i'm on her level like a little bit and And I am so thankful for that. And the the reason for that is this. Is I know that what God's put on my heart is a really big thing. And I know I'm going to have to work really hard to get there. And I'm thankful that what God has put on Brittany's heart is a really big thing that she already started building towards. And it's going to take two strong people to see that come to pass. me helping Brittany get there and Brittany helping me get there. You do not have to be a meek and mild housewife. You don't need to be that. You can be strong. You can have a plan and purpose and vision and you can chase after it. And I would encourage you to do that. You do not I guess what I'm trying to say is you do not have to lay anything down. You really don't. You you should not need to lay anything down. And honestly, your guy if, if you are dating a guy who's intimidated by the strength of your personality, then there's a chance that you need to find someone who has a stronger makeup than that. And and I, I come like my mom is a super strong independent person. My grandma, super strong, independent. My grandma lived in Africa for like 18 years and killed things and like built a house out of the jungle and like super strong. And, and you do not have to convince yourself that that needs to die in you in order to get married in order to find someone worth dating. Last one is this, and we'll go into some Q&A and stuff. And, and this is the one I want to camp on, and this is the one that God really put on my heart for you guys is this, is that beauty is subjective. Beauty is subjective. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Um, I think a lot of us, our picture of what beautiful for girls, what handsome, strong for guys looks like is generally caught up in one person. I remember when I was younger, I, I've, I've struggled with insecurity most of my life. I'm a big, huge, white, Canadian dude, right? And that, I've been that most of my life, and that's something that I've really had to work on. And I remember being fresh into college, out of high school, and there was this really, really, really cool guy that I really looked up to. And I remember thinking, if I could just get myself to look and behave like him, then I could get a girl like who he has. And that began to define for me what being handsome and being a man looked like. The guy is like crazy, skinny, stick dude. Like it's physically impossible for me to look like him. But I drove myself, I stopped eating. I like started working out like crazy. I completely changed my spending habits. I tried to fit into clothes I never would fit into because I was allowing... That picture to define what handsome in man looked like, I lost the truth that that 's subjective that at the end of the day, we have to remember, and, and I want to encourage you guys like beauty is a hundred percent subjective and beauty, really, at the end of the day, if it 's a personal opinion, then you get to define what beautiful looks like if If beauty is a personal opinion, then it really doesn 't matter how you dress. It really doesn't matter what you look like. It really doesn't matter the complexion of your skin. It really doesn't matter how long your hair is. It, re- it really doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, a guy worth his salt is going to come into your life that finds you perfect just the way you are. And I know that's cliche, and I know people say that all the time, and I know it's kind of the theme of all the Disney princess movies and all that kind of stuff. Like, I get that. But I, I think we lose that a little bit. I think we forget that. I think we get caught up in feeling insecure. And we allow, well, if I could just be skinnier, if I could just wear clothes like that, if I could just make this kind of money, if I could just drive that type of car, then I'm going to get the kind of guy that I'm looking for. And, and this is the thing, the journey I've been on in my own life, is when my motivation to change comes out of that, I can never sustain it. It's never stayed. I remember I, I was dating this girl for a really long time, and she broke up with me because I couldn't lose weight. Couldn't motivate myself to lose weight. She looked at me in the face and said, God told me I can do better than you. You, you want to talk about messing with your theology and talk about a spiral. And yet again, stopped eating, started working out like crazy, lost 60 pounds. More to prove her wrong than anything else. Gained it all back. And I remember starting to date Brittany. And Brittany and I are both on a journey to get healthy. But we fundamentally find each other attractive, because beauty's subjective. I think Brittany's the most beautiful girl in the world. I don't have to be convinced of that. But what I do want to do and, and the promise I made to Brittany when we got married, is this: I will work to be healthy so we can enjoy a long life together. And that's the promise that Brittany made to me. And if you're going to change, if you see something in yourself that you want to change and you want to work on, do it for you. You don't need to do it because if you could just lose a certain amount of weight, then some guy is going to like you. If you just change your hair color, if you just change the way you dress, if you just change your personality, it's not going to work that way. And, And when we change for someone else, we can never sustain it. It always ends up coming back. But when we change for us because God's working in us and working through us and now we're motivated to get healthy, to improve, whether that's, an issue emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, practically, if we're going to choose to improve, do it for the sake of being healthy in all of those areas. Not for the sake of if I could just change this about myself, then someone will find me more attractive. Is, it's an absolute lie. Remind that scripture in Psalms 139 where David writes this. He says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made you got to remember this, that beauty is subjective, but you were already made beautiful. That God created you with intention and, and those quirky personality pieces and that thing about you that you don't like. like. God's not intimidated by that. He's not surprised by it. And he says, I made you that way. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. It continues on and says, oh, how precious your thoughts are towards me. When when we find ourselves like, that's been the greatest liberation for me and in my insecurity is days when I'm beating myself up, I have to remind myself that God's thoughts towards me are kind and nice and encouraging. And please, give yourself a break, for heaven's sakes. Like, you're great. You are awesome just the way you are. Like, And I want you to hear that. I, this is coming from a guy who, like, really cares for all of you. And Brittany and I pray for this whole group. I really care about all you guys. You guys are great just the way you are. And you are going to find someone who's totally worth spending the rest of your life with. And you deserve to be healthy, absolutely. And that's something that I'm still working on. But you don't need to change who you are. Because if you change who you are, it changes the type of guy you get. That is not not true. Now, I, I do believe you can work on your emotional, mental, spiritual health. And that changes the, you know, in essence, stop being a girl and become a woman. Right? Just like Boys need to become men. Girls need to become women. And that, I do think that changes the type of person that's attracted to you. But your physical appearance, remember at the end of the day that beauty is 100% subjective. And you 110% deserve to end up with someone who's okay with you just the way you are. Brittany does not need to change. I'm in. I put a ring on it, an expensive one. It's like the most expensive thing I've ever bought in my life. But I'm in. She doesn't need to change. If she wants to get healthy, then sweet. I'm going to encourage her in that. But she doesn't need to change who she is. And you deserve that. You, you do not need to have this underlying feeling. I just have to keep. I have to make. I have to do. No. You deserve to have someone who's in your corner and thinks you are perfect just the way you are. So I want to remind you of that tonight. And I know you are probably reminded of that a lot. But be reminded that you totally deserve to feel beautiful because beauty is subjective. At the end of the day, you and God, as long as you guys are on the same page about that, then sweet, screw everybody else. You just need to find one anyways, right? You just need to find one guy who's in. Yes, that one. Until then, you be cool with God. That's all that matters, right? Cool, that's all I had prepared. I talked way faster than I thought I would because I'm a little intimidated looking at a room full of girls. Well, at least I have Trevor here with me. Um, you guys have any questions? Want any opinions from a guy's point of view on anything? You guys have guys all figured out. We can just end. You can just move on. Like dating advice, anything like that. I'll try my best to answer it, not screw it up. Anybody? No. Yeah, the best friend thing. Yeah, Hollywood is totally right on that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, th- I think, I, I, I agree with that premise and that thought. Absolutely, I, I think, I think we get ourselves in trouble when we visualize the outcome of a relationship before we've even gotten to know the person. If that makes sense, um, I think when we decide that he or she is the one, I'm in. Bam, that's it. Uh, you met them twelve minutes ago. Okay? Like they sent you a Facebook message. Calm down. You don't even know them. You know? I remember I'm gonna tell a story about my brother. This is funny. He doesn't listen to this podcast, so I'm okay. We um we were in Mexico at a friend's wedding and um in Cabo and the one of the sisters of the bride was like the epitome of like Mexican princess model kind of thing, right? And um, everyone was trying to set my brother and this girl up. And that was the whole reason, like, I felt like, it felt like that was the whole reason we went down there kind of thing. Not to be in the wedding, but because they all thought my brother and her should date. And (laughs) I remember, like, we showed up to the rehearsal dinner and she walks in and I was like, well, I just lost my brother for the weekend. Like, (laughs) that was cool. And Brian, like, Brian was completely enamored with her and and started playing out scenarios in his head that he had to have understanding of who she was first in order to go to that place. And what he was doing was assuming. And I think we do that a lot. And this is the problem with assuming as we're getting to know people is that becomes the perspective we look at them through. And so we become blind to it, Right. And so they could behave in contrary, but our assumption and perception says this. And so it takes a long time for us to have it different. And I remember my brother was all in, and he, like, talked to her dad while we were down there. Like, bro, you met her yesterday. Like, Take a breather. And um, I'm, I'm telling this story because the end of it's really funny. We end up flying home, and my brother decided he wanted to build her a shadow box, when he got home and sent it back to her with all these memories that they had made. and They had been together for like 48 hours. I don't know how many memories they had. And, like, so we we leave Cabo, land in San Francisco, going back through security. My brother had put the bag of sand in his backpack. Turns out there's a high-grade military explosive that looks just like sand, right? So my brother's backpack goes through and all hell breaks loose and every tsa agent in the entire san francisco airport is like crowding around my brother and (laughs) i remember this lady walking up and saying like what is that and he goes do i do i have to be honest because it's embarrassing and the lady's like yes you have to be like so serious and my brother's like it's sand from cabo so i can make this girl a shadow box (laughs) And she's like, oh, it's so cute! And like, just waves them through, which was so frustrating to me. But I just rambled for a short answer. I-, I think it's true that you need to be good friends more so you're not surprised later than anything else. So, yeah. Anybody else? I promise I don't bite, and I'm not going to make fun of you. Nothing. <laughs> so funny you guys seriously yeah Sammy. how did we get through long distance um thank god for skype i would get off so i worked at the great wolf lodge and i would get off work at like 11 and i would start facetiming her on my drive home and um we would facetime the whole way home and then uh we would talk until we had, like, a deadline. I realized quickly that if I wanted her to stay impressed with me, that she couldn't hear what I said past a certain time because I got exponentially, like, stupider as it got later. And so we had, like, a cutoff time. And, and I would encourage you in this, too. Like, as you're getting to know someone, there's no healthy conversation happening at 2 a.m. Like, like honestly, that's when your guard is down, you're going to say stuff you don't mean to say, you're going to let them into parts of your heart and your story. That's probably a little too soon. So I would encourage you to have a cutoff time and say like, Hey, midnight, like if they're enamored with you, that nine hour time difference between midnight and 9am isn't going to change anything. You know what I mean? Like if if we talk to 1am, then she's in and I'm, you know, like that's not how it works. So, um, but long distance can work if you make it work. like. And, and I'm, I'm really of that opinion. I mean, we lived almost two hours apart from each other. I would come up on the weekend and spend time with her and my friends up here. And then I was the youth pastor at a church down in Centralia. And so I would leave here at 5 a.m. to be down in Centralia for a 7 a.m. worship practice start. Like, so, I mean, and Brittany would do the same. So, like, it really works if you want it to. Um, and honestly, I think it really helped our communication because um, we had to authentically communicate. I think I think proximity makes it easy to develop bad communication um, because you just take being close as communicating. That's really not true. And so I'm thankful for that. But, yeah, it totally can work if you want it to. Um, but you have to want it to work, and both of you have to be in for that, for it to work. Nothing. Quiet again. Awkward laughter. Yeah, Alex. Um, why marriage? That's a good question. I remember being in high school and, um, having this conversation with a guy who was really, really, really like a lot smarter than me. And he, um, I came to that conclusion quickly. There were a lot of people a lot smarter than me. But he, um, he, he brought, he asked me the question and said, hey, if I'm committed to them, what's a piece of paper mean? And, and I think that's a completely legitimate question, 110%. And, and I think there's two contextual things we've got to look at. First is your worldview, in essence, your paradigm that you look at life through. And then I think second, um, I, I think there's kind of a confusion on what the word commitment means. In that, so let let me talk first about the paradigm. I mean, I I believe that the Bible's true, and that becomes the way that shapes my paradigm and my worldview. And so I can't look at that and come to the conclusion that marriage is not the intent. Um, And the reason for that is this. You look at when God created man and woman. He put them into a covenant relationship, in essence, marriage, Right? And the reason for that is this. There is something spiritual. I wish I could quantify it scientifically or whatever. But there's something spiritual about the covenant of a man and a woman in marriage. in saying that, hey, I'm in and I believe God designed it to be that way. Um, marriage is the closest that we can get to practical, physical, emotional love which we see God wrapped up in all of those essences, right? And that's the closest that we can get as humankind. In essence, marriage is intended to be a picture of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit in the triune relationship between them. There's a lot of theology in there, and I won't dive into it. But I, I do think that there is a spiritual aspect to it, that unless the Bible is your worldview, then we don't really grasp it. And that's totally fine. I think you have to go on a journey to make that decision. Is this really the lens and view that I'm going to look at life through And, and, and then I think the commitment piece is interesting I, I think I think when I'm trying to think how to say this I think I think it is really easy to tell ourselves that commitment is this. Emotional intelligence thing where we're able to say that, hey, I'm really committed to that person. And again, I think that, again, because this is my worldview, commitment to me, there was something really, holy crap, this is serious, as Brittany and I started planning our wedding. And commitment for me moved from, I'm committed to the idea of being with Brittany forever. And I think a lot of us convince ourselves that that is what marriage is. Marriage is the idea of being with that person forever. But marriage really is the final aspect of it is with that person forever. And then, obviously, divorce and what you think about that is a whole other conversation. But I think commitment for me changed when I got married. And coming to the realization that, okay, I have this ring on my finger, and I put an expensive one on Britney's, which, by the way, is frustrating. My ring was $20 on Amazon. Yes, it was. And Britney's, we bought like three of them because we knew I was going to lose them, right? But, but Britney's was not $20, nor was it on Amazon. But um, commitment for me changed from being an idea. I mean, I'm committed to my family, right? and I'm committed to my job, and I'm loyal to my friends and committed to them. But commitment in marriage for me moved from being this idea that I could kind of think about to this, wow, well, day in and day out, the rest of my life, I am now fully committed to Brittany. And there is no wiggle room in that. The idea, this is, this is the thing, and, and then I'll shut up. The, the idea may, may end at some point. But I have made a commitment to be committed even if the idea leaves. And and I think that's how I would answer that. And obviously there's so much more context and things to talk about. And we have been. And we can keep talking about it. But, yeah. Anybody else? Five more minutes. Yeah. Already engaged. Have fun. For heaven's sakes, enjoy it. Like, so... It's funny on a guy's side because, like, a guy has been planning the engagement, right? And so I had been doing a lot of work. Like, I had worked really hard to buy the ring, and I convinced Brittany I didn't have it, but I did. And I got her whole family down there for Christmas. And on Christmas morning, get down on one knee, and all this pressure. Like, I was literally pacing in our living room. Like, I, it was in, it's the most I've moved on Christmas morning in a long time. And I get down, I get down on one knee, and I say, hey, will you marry me? And I thought that I was done. I had done my job. I am tapping out. Yes! Ha! And what I viewed as the end, Brittany, was just a beginning, right? And not only Brittany, but everybody else in the room. We had been engaged for 23 minutes, and her mom already has seven potential dates for our wedding. And I remember looking at her mom and saying, We are engaged. Like, for just give me a minute, Please. And so I'd say enjoy it. For heaven's sakes, enjoy it. Like, it should be a fun experience. And by the way, dating should be fun, too. That's a whole other conversation. But have fun. And the second one is this, is don't get sloppy. I think it's interesting working with engaged couples and, and doing pre-marriage counseling, which is kind of funny. Brittany and I have been married for, like, eight months, and we're doing pre-marriage counseling. It's like, we just read this book. You should probably read it, you know, but... Um, yeah. I think we get so close to the end that we don't finish with excellence. And so I would, I would encourage you, and I, we encourage engaged couples to raise your standards all the way around. Um, not just in impurity, but in your finances and your time management and all of it. Like, because I'm a firm believer in how you, how you end one season is how you will start the next. And so if you get sloppy at the end of your engagement, then the start of your marriage will be sloppy. And so I think have fun and then be excellent in everything. And and third, spend time around people whose marriage you admire. I think that's huge. I think without realizing it, a lot of us have, we may come from incredible parents. We may come from a bad marriage context, whatever it is. We all have a preset idea of marriage, whether we realize it or not. And so spending time around people, I want that, exposes in me where my dysfunction is. Um, and I would encourage you to spend time around people whose relationship and marriage you admire. So have fun. Don't get sloppy. Spend time around people you admire. Anybody else? Yeah? Okay. So I was hmm. Um, yeah? How are you supposed to know? Um, there's doves that come down and the sun <laughs> opens up. And hopefully they make a lot of money. And No, I'm just kidding. I, I would say two things. I think, and again, because this is my, you know, being a, believing in God, this is my worldview. I would say the first one is this, is there's a peace that comes about it. There's been girls that I've dated in the past that when I'm praying for a relationship, I just don't feel settled. So I would say that would be one thing, is if you're in a relationship with them and you're starting to think this is the direction it should go, getting to the point where you feel good about it. And the second one is this. You should be okay with who they are right now, not the idea of who they could be. Um, You can't ever marry someone on their potential. Um, It's going to leave you bitter and disappointed. But what you can marry them on is their current reality. And so I think having a piece about it, and then I think deciding and really having to do some honest evaluation of am I in love with who they could be, or am I in love with who they are right now? And so I'd say those two things. Yeah. So oh, that's a lot. Um I I think yes, you should bring it up. Um I think how you bring it up is important. Um I, I think I think we have to come to the conclusion of two things. If we really value that person, then we are in whether they value us back or not. Um, And I think the other thing to remember is this, is that you're responsible to them, but not for how they react. Um, And so bringing it up in a sense of probably not when they're in the middle of a relationship and everything's going well. Champion that. Maybe this may be the one that breaks through. Um, But if if it ends poorly, then... Not, well, they're the in the Ben and Jerry's and Chick Flick stage, but, like, whatever after that stage is. Um, coming to them and saying, hey, as a friend, we've done life for a long time and I've noticed this pattern. Um, is it, that takes, hey, you're wrong in this. is never the right way to lead. But saying, hey, I've noticed this pattern in you. Um, and then just lay it out there. Lay it out in love. Don't attack the person. Attack the issue, right? And say, hey, I... I've noticed that this is a habit and a pattern in you. And, how, and then put in their court, how can I help you with this? Because ultimately, we, in, a, in the desire to help, we end up enabling them. Because if you were ever out of the picture, and you're the only one who knows how to point that out in her, then she doesn't know how to handle it on her own. And so really helping them realize the issue and then enabling them to tackle it on their own would be the best. Attack the issue, not the person, every time. And it will help a lot. All right, last one. Anybody? Last one? Have we burned through all the questions? Maybe? No? Yes? Cool. Well, let, let's pray and we'll be done. Uh, God, we thank you. Um, we thank you that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, um, in that we don't have to change for anyone other than bettering ourselves and pleasing you. And I pray that that would be our reminder tonight. And I pray that you would help us date well and date and uh, that these girls would date men and not boys. And that they would have great marriages and big old rings and nice houses and all that kind of stuff in your name. Amen.